Welcome to Straight from the Author, a podcast that gives you a front row seat as leading authors discuss their books at a Warren Public Library. In this episode, Past Forward with psychic medium Christy Robinette. Listen as she discusses the possibility of reincarnation, karma, and how to determine if you may have existed before. seeing spirits since I was three and to me they actually look physical they look like you and I when I go through my regular type of life I do my best like today I try to tune it down as much as possible so I'm not being bombarded by real people and better living people so because they really honestly they live much better than we do Um, and I like my job because they're happier than most of (laughs) us so Um, But I was raised in a parochial upbringing. I was taught that anything to do with the paranormal, psychic, metaphysical, ghosts, that that was satanic, that that was horrible. So as I would tell my mom and dad, you know, I'm seeing these, I thought that they were real people. They just were like all over my house. Um, They didn't understand. So they would classify them as imaginary friends. Anyone here have imaginary friends or had kids that had imaginary friends? And to me, they were so not imaginary. They They were real. And so one of these so-called imaginary friends came and said, your grandmother is going to pass away and you need to let your mom know. You need to have her prepared. And I was all of three years old. And if you have kids, you know there is absolutely no filter. So I went up to my mom and I said, grandma's going to (laughs) die. Did not go over well. And I got my first and only spanking. So a couple weeks after that happened, my grandmother suddenly passed away. And so my parents looked at me a little, you know, cockeyed, and I felt terrible because I kind of felt like I was to blame for that. And I, um, I went into the closet. I, I, I would actually go into the closet then and talk to my so-called imaginary friends, which I now know were my guides and they were my loved ones from the other side because, honestly, the other side is there's just a small veil that we pull back that curtain and they're there, but we're so bombarded with life worries that we sometimes forget that we've got these helpers on the other side. So when um, that happened, they kind of spooked them. They marched me up to the local Lutheran school and said, get her some Christianity, Satan, (laughs) demons out. Um, Really, honestly, I was four years old. I think they paid them a really good, my dad's bonus check from Ford that year, said take her off our hands. And um, so I started school early, and they were still, the spirits were still coming. And if you read one of my books, I think it was Messenger Between Worlds, I talk about my kindergarten teacher, who actually was not a nice person. And normally when people think about their kindergarten class, you think of such fuzzy, warm memories. Not me. Her father had passed away, and her father was that same summer before I started, and he was not a nice man. And he would bother me, and I ended up in the corner most of the time. But as an adult, I now understand why my kindergarten teacher wasn't so nice. I'll leave it at that. Um, but it was, it was a trying thing to go through parochial school, being taught that everything that I um, was learning and everything that I was was the wrong thing. And so it was, it was really tough. And so I ended up going through K-12 through Lutheran school, Um, I married my high school sweetheart, who was also a skeptic. My parents stayed skeptics. I ended up um, having two beautiful kids. 
with him and don't cheat on a psychic. It's not a good thing. So I divorced that one and I ended up, um, and I believe everything for hap happens for a reason. I have, you know, great kids, but I ended up, as soon as, as soon as that sort of departed, it was like the dam broke. And my hibernation of the spirit world came flooding through. I didn't have anybody telling me that what I was doing and what I was seeing was wrong anymore. I was left open. And so I was bombarded with spirits and messages. And I was like, go haunt him. He was the bad guy, not me. And so I did three things. I was working for Northville Schools at the time. Um, long story short that I, I won't go into, but I was sort of a psychic narc for them. So I was to help keep workers comp down and they knew I was an intuitive and uh, yeah so if you think that doesn't <laughs> exist um, but I did I did uh, three things I went to a neurologist thought I might have had a brain tumor and they and really honestly they did every workup that they could and it ended up I was a medium and I had a really great neurologist who called me at my office who said you need to meet with me and of course I thought I had brain cancer you know when a doctor calls you you got to meet with me I'm also a Scorpio and sometimes a hypochondriac. So there's that. But so I'm like, of course I have brain cancer. And I met with him and he said, I think you're a medium. He honestly handed me books and said, I think you need to work on this a little bit more. There's nothing wrong with you except you're weird. But that's normal. It's good. You're not dying. We're good. And I went to um, a psychiatrist because I thought, well, I'm crazy then. If I'm healthy, I'm crazy. Ended up in the right place at the right time again. The psychiatrist said, oh, you're a medium and you're actually experiencing visions and this is what you need to study. Again, I'm like, what is wrong with these professionals? <laughs> Give me a medication, turn this off. So I did the third thing, I went to my minister and I'm like, I need an exorcism because I see spirits and I see angels and they talk to me and I ended up giving him a reading. <laughs> so he gave me his blessing, said I think this is what you're supposed to be doing and he said I also think that you need to go see a medium because there's no mentorship. I grew up in the Ms. Cleo days. No one went to career day and said, I would like to be a medium when I grow up. You know, and they're like, are you part of the Psychic Friends Network? What's going on? All your friends are psychic? Not so. Um, but I was, that just wasn't something that was talked about. That was the 70s and 80s. And it's so different now. You know, there's so much, I mean, we're like a support, we're like a psychic support group right now. That's what this is. So um, in, in that, I, so I ended up making an appointment with a medium. And I thought it was crazy. And it took me a while. I parked down the block because I thought if somebody saw me, that would be terrible. And so I went in and the guy closed his eyes and he popped them open and he said, Christy, you see dead people. I actually don't like referring to them as the dead people because they're more alive, but um, I'm like, I do. And he said, do you want a job? And I went, wow, maybe, yeah, maybe. <laughs> so I ended up working for a metaphysical center that was actually across the street from a police department. And the police would come over and throw cold cases and not so cold cases, and they ended up helping train me. And so that's the, the part of the bio where I work with the police. That is part of I work with the police. So in that reading, he also said, you're going to meet somebody who's about 10 years older. He's got two kids. He's been divorced for a long time. 
his name starts with an R and I went bullcrap. That's not going to happen. I am fine being single. I'm enjoying this, kind of. And so I ended up getting set up on a blind date with someone whose name did not start with an R, and I'm like, free meal. And so <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. And so I, I met this guy at Max and Irma's for lunch, and he, um, he didn't like me at all, first, first impressions. And I'm like, this isn't my type either. But as we started talking, he said, what do you do for a living? And I said, um, I'm a spirit medium. And it was like someone had hit me in the back of the head because I had never said those words. And he said, cool, can you pass the ketchup? <laughs> and so I thought I might like this guy, maybe. And so we kind of talked more. And I told him the story. And he didn't fall asleep. And he laughed at all the right spots. And it was good. And I said, well, it's too bad you're not my soulmate because your name doesn't start with an R. And he turned ghost white, and he said, but my family calls me Robbie. Does that count? And I married him. <laughs> so it, when you've got someone who supports you and who will traipse through you know, fields looking for dead bodies, it is love at first sight. So it is good. So, it is good. And he also tells my kids that they would be better looking if he had been the father. <laughs> so there was that. So there was that. So... Um, but, so he's got two kids, I've got two kids, they're both adults, and, um, and we've, everything happens for a reason. You know, when you, go through, when you go through bad times, often you're stuck in that situation, and you think that there's no way that you're going to get out of it. And I see this a lot with karma. I see this a lot on social media where I hear, boy, I can't wait to see that karma happen. And that's actually not how karma works at all. Because if you're wishing karma on somebody, it's honestly like a boomerang and you're going to get it back. So karma takes care of itself. So one of my favorite quotes is by Wayne Dyer, how people treat you is their karma, how you react is yours. And that's a tough gig, right? It's like I want to throw back what they're throwing me, that shade. And it really honestly is, is kind of tough. So. Being Lutheran, you know, along with being able to see spirits, I was a problem child. Now that, I, now that I'm an adult and I tell my stories, I'm like, no wonder my parents thought I was crazy. Um, since I was little, I knew my name wasn't Christy. I knew my name was Sarah, and I knew it did not have an H. And so my parents would always say, if you really want to be named Sarah, then we will change it when you're 16. Okay, everyone knows me as Christy. It's like Madonna just changing her name. I'm not that. But I always knew that my name was Sarah. And I would always have dreams of different periods of time. And I never felt like I belonged in this time. I had a difficult time with, um, I'd rather spend time with adults than I would kids. I wasn't the one to go partying. I was the one that would go work at a community center and help senior citizens. I, was, I never fit in. And those types are often called old souls. And so I was an old soul, and it was actually a burden. I didn't understand the reincarnation because, again, that was very, um, that, that was very hooey, you know, that all oh, our souls keep going. No, our souls go to heaven, and they stay there until you reunite with your loved ones, and you stay locked in heaven until I got older and I start, started to experience my own and received my own messages to recognize that that wasn't necessarily the ed at all. So when I met Chuck, I call him Chuck, his, parent, his family calls him Robbie. So go, 
it's very confusing during the holidays. <laughs> but um, when I met Chuck and we were having our conversation, I told him, I said, I always knew that my name was Sarah and I was pretty sure that it was Sarah Butler. And again, he's like, that's really weird because my mom's maiden name is Butler. And so I was, um, we had just kind of been dating a couple, couple times. I was in a temporary house that I was renting, and I had him come over to, to watch my, to go look at my rabbit. That wasn't code for anything, by the way. <laughs> so it was for real. I had a rabbit named Ginger. So, and that also sounds like code for something, and it wasn't. Purely innocent. And so in the basement was Ginger. And so we went into the basement. I had a lot of stuff stored because I was waiting to get into my house. And um, this picture was downstairs in the basement. And um, Chuck's like, where did you get that picture from? That is the strangest thing that you've got that photo. And I said, well, I've had it. I always, I was a kid and I loved this, this painting. I've had it in my room since forever. And he said, my whole family's got that painting. It comes from the Butler side and is passed down generations. It's a painting from the 1800s, which is where I believe that we had existed. We actually did a lot of research on the visions that I had, and um, we were married in a past life. We found our graves. And the irony is one of his kids is named Cora, and one of our kids was also named Cora. So, I mean, that's, there's a lot of names out there, but that I don't believe in coincidences. So karma, really, I saw that. So someone's always watching. Someone is always watching. So how do you do a karma cleanse? Did you even know there is such a thing? So all the crappy stuff that you've done, because we've all done it, <laughs> thought, saw, heard, whispered, all that judgmental stuff, you're like, what, me, not me? Um, we sometimes, when we feel burdened by all life, we're like, what is that? Why am I so depressed? What's going on? If you've ever had that where I don't know what it is, a lot of times it could be that you're carrying this karma around. And it doesn't mean like you went and murdered somebody, but it could be that you cut somebody off in traffic and went, ha-ha, or whatever. So all that stuff adds up. And it's not like the church where you're supposed to pay good deeds, but it's to be good to yourself is what it is, because we often punish ourselves more than we really should. With past lives, there is a vow that you can disconnect yourself from that karma from the past um, and kind of disconnect yourself so that you can live in your now. And this is a vow that they say that you can say, I hereby sever all vows I have made in any lifetime, and I ask that all effects of those vows be undone in all direction of time. And if you guys need that, email me, and I'll send that to you. Um, when I'm feeling extra stressed out, I'm like, I must have done something bad in a past life. I don't know. Not really. But um, I definitely, um, that does help as sort of a mantra sometimes, is you're sort of cutting those cords. So what I was saying is what goes around comes around. You throw it out, you throw shade out, you're going to get shade back. So we are the master of our destiny. We write our own script. We sometimes are written into other people's script because we allow ourselves to be written in other people's scripts. But we can also write ourselves out of that script. And um, that is where I hear so often when I give sessions or if I'm doing lectures, I hear, oh, easier said than done. 
how many times a day or month or year or week have you said that or heard somebody else say that? Life isn't easy. Living life isn't easy. And so, and then you've got karma and you've got past lives and you've got all that added up to it and it becomes very, very complicated. So easier said than done, sure, but you still have to do it. And if you stop doing it is when you stop living. There is no test at the end of this. This gets a bit heavy, but I want to sort of explain. So we have a soul and a spirit. And the soul is our intellect and our emotion. The soul means our life. And it doesn't mean that you get to do that. Like, that's not that. But the soul is part of our spirit, which has human character, and it links us with the human experience. And the soul, as with the spirit, is the center of spiritual and emotional experiences. In the Bible, whenever this word soul is used, it refers to the whole person alive or past. So that is the soul. A lot of times we use soul and spirit interchangeable, and they're actually really very kind of separate. And then, the, so the soul means life. Spirit is the communication with your intuition. That is when you're tuning in to that gut feeling. That's when you're tuning in to the things that you're like, I don't even know how I know that, but I know that. That's your spirit that you're tuning into. Um, the spirit sees things in other dimensions and brings, brings those things back to your soul, which goes through your brain. The brain stores that information, and they call that the Akashic Records. And so we have a library of information that's in our brain, in our spirit, in our soul that is um, stored. And uh, it's, it's got a lot of information. And sometimes it slips through in your conscious mind. You're looking at me like, what? Um, so proof of reincarnation. I just like that comic strip. So Center for Reincarnation Studies, welcome back. Um, leading reincarnation researcher, he's the head of neurology, interestingly enough, and he believes that there's compelling evidence for reincarnation, and it is connected to hypnotic regression, which we're going to do on meditation, which is a lot like a regression or hypnosis. Deja vu, anyone have that? Where you're like, and you so badly try to change the outcome because you're like, I know what happens, but I'm still going to hold on to that. I can't do it. Um, xenoglossy which is talking in different languages that you didn't even know existed, birthmarks, and the Bible, believe it or not. So have you had a past life? Have you ever had that old familiar feeling? You've gone to a location and you have no idea why it feels right. Your dreams are so real, it's like you're actually there. You know history without knowing it or you feel like you've met your soulmate, even whether you're with your soulmate or not, and that can include a dog or a cat, honestly. <coughs> so there's a lot of different scenarios that kind of make that up. We also, they say we choose our family. What were we thinking? <laughs> I just don't understand. Like, they, they say reincarnation experts are, they are so, they, they think we're supposed to learn lessons you know, through our family groups. And we have lots of different soul groups that we connect with. There are work soul groups, there are siblings, there are friends. There's a lot of different groups that we connect with. And so some of them are reflections from past activities, but it doesn't mean that everybody you meet you had a past life with. And then soulmates. 
Anyone ever feel like they met their soulmate? Just a couple of you, really? We got a lot of soulmating to do already. <laughs> um, a lot of times soulmates are actually very difficult relationships. They tend to actually be the difficult ones, the ones that didn't work out because you're not supposed to repeat a past life. You're supposed to learn and grow and evolve. And one of the, one of the, the difficult things with soulmates is they tend to not even work out. Um, and that's the unfortunate thing. And those are the ones that you mourn so deep. Not because you feel like you were done wrong, but you just mourn them. And again, it can be even a coworker. I had a really interesting encounter. And again, soulmates don't equate to an intimate ro romantic relationship. It can be a best friend or somebody you met in grade school and they moved away and you never had that connection. But I had a really, years ago I was working at a dealership. I had just had my son and I was an office manager for a dealership. And this gentleman came in with his translator. He was kind of a, he wasn't a celebrity, but he was, he was somebody. And he came in with his translator and he spoke a different language. And I didn't speak his language and he didn't speak my language and he dismissed his translator. And we just kind of had this language and he started crying. Like he met someone he knew he was supposed to meet. And I started crying and that was the last time I ever saw him. And so I think that, you know, and yet I felt like that, that was a meeting that was supposed to take place and it wasn't supposed to be pursued anymore. So often we try to pursue these soul connections, we force them into something that just isn't supposed to be pursued. How many times have you had relationships where you tried so badly to make them work and it just wasn't where it was everything wrong, but you're like, it has to be the right one. Not necessarily. You fulfilled your, your, uh, your time with that. So each time you decide to reincarnate, you create a new, a new, a new, a new body, <laughs> but often keep the same personality. What happened to my editor? Um, it's up to you to learn. The lower self is the part of ourselves we can all identify. It has gender, form, race, social standing, ethnic attributes. That's one reason why I love what I do because the spirits that I tune into aren't connected with that lower self. They're not connected with, they, they connect with this, the, the specifics of their lifetime. So they'll tell me their ethnicity, what that was or what their memories or their religious affiliations or stuff that makes up who they were but who they really are is their soul and their spirit. It's the validating purposes. It's not their eye color or their skin color or if they're a Catholic or Jewish. It, had, uh, it has everything to do with who they really were. And most of the time, that's what is more validating. You know, if we don't change our personalities on the other side. So if we were a really cranky person here, we're gonna be a really cranky person on the other side. We might grow through that but if you're a quiet person here, you're probably going to be a quiet person on the other side. Deja vu, already seen. So it is that strong sensation or that event or experience that's being experienced that had been experienced in the past. Some scientists negate it and say it's simply a blip in the brain's neuro and you're actually forgetting that you did that a second ago. Yeah, they try to explain it. So I'm not going to get too deep into the theology because I get into a lot of debates with this, and I really try to keep this really fluffy. 
Um, so I don't like hate mail. I get enough of that. I get hate mail that I'm too positive. I get hate mail that I talk about Chuck. I get hate mail that I don't talk enough about Chuck. I get hate mail that I, you know, I haven't told anyone what his hair color is right now. It's so strange. So uh, they, it is sad reincarnation, you know, from from that neurologist that they believe that Elijah came back as John the Baptist. Um, they believe that he was reincarnated to be John the Baptist. They believe because of that that there was different clothing and the looks and the garments and the way that he his personality was and the way that he operated. Xenoglossy. The sudden ability to speak a different language that you've never known. Have you ever done that before? So I've I've got two kind of crazy stories that you'll see hear me say weird and crazy a lot this afternoon, sorry, this evening. Um, it was a few years ago where my, uh, my son is kind of a quiet guy. He's kind of a stoic-y, always been a militant, like he's a simplistic person where it's like just give him five t-shirts, three pairs of jeans, his socks are in a row. He's always been very militant. And he, um, he just likes things simple which was really great when he lived in the house because he loved to clean, like everything had to be military clean. <sighs> He's moved out now. He's older. <laughs> but um, he, we were in the, our old house in Livonia, and I woke up, and we were on one side of the house. Our bedroom was one on side, and he was on another side. And I woke up to hearing singing. It was like 3 in the morning, 2, 3 in the morning. And so I got up walked to that side of the house, and Connor was sitting up in bed, eyes wide open, singing at the top of his lungs what sounded like an Irish or Gaelic battle cry. Singing. And so, of course, I didn't take my phone. I have my phone with me every other second, and I didn't have it with me at that time, but I just listened to him, and it was so raw, and it was almost like a funeral you know, that he was almost singing in a funeral way. And um, I woke him up. I kept going, Connor, Connor. And he finally woke up, even though his eyes were fixated on something that I couldn't see. And he kind of woke up. And I said, Connor, you were singing in a different language. And he said, I was. And I said, yeah. And his head, ha head hit the pillow, and he was out. So I... Uh, the next morning, I said, Connor, do you remember anything? Interestingly enough, he's got an Irish name, right? Connor, do, do you remember anything that happened last night? And he's like, what are you talking about? And I said, well, you were singing in a different language. And he goes, no wonder I'm exhausted and my throat hurts. <laughs> so um, he ended up, uh, went to Michigan State. He's still at Michigan State. And he's graduating uh, early in uh, criminal justice and signed up with the National Guard Army. So he will be leaving to be a medic. Um, and so it's part of his, his, it's always been part of who he is. And the mom in me has always tried to fight that and say, no, you're not supposed to repeat a past life. You're supposed to keep going. But it's his journey to discover because he does believe that he died young. 
and he's had a lot of different memories and so he wants to make sure that he doesn't die young and he completes his mission in, in some way, shape, or form. Another favorite cartoon. Yeah, well, I didn't believe in reincarnation when I was your age either. <laughs> we become more bitter rather than better as we age most of the time. So another thing with reincarnation is that familiar feeling. Have you ever met somebody where you're like, they just feel familiar? And that kind of goes with that xenoglossy as well. I had taped a program with... Um, a Japanese production company and they came with translators so I worked with those that knew no English and then I worked with those that knew Japanese and then translated that so I had to film this whole television show with these Spanish or Spanish maybe that's a Freudian slip with a Japanese speaking um, crew nicest ever I work with US crews I will take Japanese over any any nationality they are the nicest people but d day one and a half I knew Japanese kind of I wanted to do the whole song I'm speaking Japanese you know I think so bad bad I know um, but they were surprised and they're like how do you know our language I don't know, it's one of the most difficult languages. I couldn't really speak it, but I understood it. And so before they would even say, you know, move over there or go by that door, I could understand it. So that familiarity, we sometimes just vibe with people. So if you've ever walked through Target and you meet somebody and you're like, I really like that person, I don't know why, or you meet somebody and you're like, I really don't like that person and I don't know why, <laughs> that familiar could be connected to a past life. It could also just be connected that you're vibing with them and they're a different energy level than you are. But if you've ever met somebody that feels familiar, feels comfortable, it could be a past life. So they say that we often look like people that we carry on into a different lifetime. Now we can change, we can change gender, but who does this look like to you guys? It does, doesn't it? It's really not. It's Thomas Green. And Thomas Green was a Civil War uh, sergeant, specifically at Gettysburg. They say that we take on scars and illnesses of our past as well, especially if we've got karma connected to it. And so if we want to, you know, that, that, that so if you're dealing with an illness, that you don't understand or there are symptoms where the doctors can't figure out, it doesn't hurt to see a hypnotherapist, that's not who I am, so I'm not selling my services, to see if they can sever some of those vows. Um, but they've discovered that there's traumatic death in a past life and they bear the scars of those injuries in the form of a birthmark. I have a friend who actually went into the hypnotherapy business and, and it was all because she was having migraines. And she went to every doctor and therapist, and the, finally her phys, phys, physician, internist, said, I think you need to go see a hypnotherapist. And again, still borders on pseudoscience, right? Still isn't so you know, sure of that. Also, mediumship kind of delves into that, too. And so she's like, what the heck? I'll go do that. She ended up 
going into a past life, even though it wasn't supposed to be that type of a hypnotherapy, it wasn't supposed to be a regression, it was supposed to simply be a, let's try to take care of the pain with regards to your migraines, which interestingly enough, I say it's still pseudoscience, but most medical schools are now teaching Reiki, which is energy healing, along with hypnotherapy to help with pain relief because they're realizing that the brain is so much more powerful than the body. So it's not so pseudo, they're, they're discovering. So she ended up regressing, and in her regression, she found herself in a, um, in a rice paddy, and she was a, a little Chinese boy, and a person that did not like her in this rice paddy um, called her name, and she knew the name, I don't know what it is, and he took a big rock and threw it right at her head, and she died in, in this regression. And so it was right where her migraine was. So he worked with that, and she's never had a migraine since. But the interesting part of that is she ended up having a son. And the son ended up passing away, unfortunately, from a very rare Chinese disease. And she's got no Chinese in her lineage of this lifetime. So they say that we carry some of those things over. A lot of times there are scars. Christopher Reeve, you know, had an accident and was paralyzed. Thomas Green was paralyzed as well. So there's been studies that, like I said, that we also kind of get a window of a past life connected to different um, scars. My daughter was born with a stork bite. I call them an angel kiss. And when she was about two, two and a half years old, she was sitting down on the, the floor and we were playing something and she goes, I can't wait till you have my baby brother. And I didn't even know I was pregnant at the time, but she did. And she said, um, but remember when you died in that fire? And I'm like, I'm alive. So no, don't remember that at all. Unfortunately, you're not supposed to use sarcasm with two-year-olds, but. So I said, no, I, I don't, Michaela. I don't remember that at all. And she raised her, her hair, and she goes, I was burnt right there. And you died. And Daddy saved me. And then Daddy became, like, the best Daddy ever in this lifetime. Um, so we often have different fears. And the fears are often very much associated or can be very much associated with your past or with a past life as well. So Connor's fear was always fields or battlefields, interestingly enough, right? Until we took him to Gettysburg and he kind of had his moment and released whatever chains were, were around him. I have a client who's petrified of being in back of a refrigerated truck. She knows that at one time in another lifetime that she was locked up in one of those trucks and, and taken away, kidnapped. Um, I can't stand bracelets. Love bracelets, can't wear them. I feel like I'm in handcuffs. So um, fire, candlelight. And I had a friend who was going through kind of a really fascinating story, but she was going through a haunting at her house. And um, they were celebrities, so they didn't want anybody to know that they were going through this haunting. It topped Amityville Horror. We had so many networks wanting to pick up 
their thing and they're like we are going to look crazy because we're celebrities and we have a crazy haunted house but there was blood that was coming up from the floors and um, the walls and there were scratches and she had a very traumatic loss of a child that was unexplained and there was just horrible horrible things that happened but so she said I think that I want to find out did I do something bad like was I a serial killer in a past life and maybe so I want to do a past life regression so I had her go to my friend and she goes well can you come with me and I said okay I've never done this you're supposed to do it by yourself I'm not supposed to come so she goes well just lay there you know with me which sounds bad too but no so you're in recliners so she lays down she goes into the regression and what I didn't realize what happened was it was very much like the movie Flatliners is I went into the regression with her but I was a bystander and so she went into this really terrible tragic regression where she was dying of like scarlet fever in a bathtub and her husband who were, who was her husband now was standing over and they had three children and she was crying and um, and the turkey was burning in the oven and I kept going turn the oven off like in my head and so she she went into great detail with it like what year it was and everything and then she flipped into another lifetime where she was in a jungle and she was running from a bobcat and the bobcat was going to eat her and she was crying the bobcat's going to eat me the bobcat's going to eat me or the mountain lion's going to eat me and Gail when you go through a regression you never you never want to see your death we got enough problems in this lifetime we don't need to add more of you know past lifetime stuff to us so you don't want to do that so she took her brought her awake you know before she got eaten by the mountain lion before she saw that and it was funny because she jolted up and she goes that's why I hate cats <laughs> so a couple months after that they ended up moving but a couple months after that a cat an orange cat showed up at her doorstep she's like oh crap do I have to keep this now so that we often become connected to the things that we loved in that past um, one of the things my mom loved was pottery from the 1800s and she collected that pottery that, that blue and white speckled pottery that was like poor man's pottery is what it was called and I believe I probably had my past life in that time so in his book someone else's yesterday he theorizes that a person in this life strongly resembles a person why can't we be prettier come on now <laughs> or skinnier there is an unhealthy situation with past lives there can be obsessions and a lot of times those obsessions are because people don't want to live this lifetime that they become so obsessed with a past lifetime and so you want to make sure that if you're interested in it that it's not because you don't want to deal with reality I, I've had a lot of clients not a lot but I've had several clients who are so obsessed with the past life that they want to make sure um, you know they keep saying their walk-ins or they want to meet everybody from their past life or and, and it's like no you got to live this lifetime I'm sorry so the Akashic records they are the library of all the past and they are an energetic record of all souls connected to our past lives and present lives and possible future lives I'm done anyone else <laughs> I said I I've got a pool with my name in heaven I'm just done 
Um, but each soul does have an Akashic record, even if you don't have uh, this life, even if you don't have a past life, or even if you don't have a future life and you just have a this life, they still have records. Because if you ever had like that, that mind thought where you're like, I completely forgot that that happened to me, you know, when I was 12, or, and there was nothing tragic, it just was a memory that you had kind of stored away. For more information on Christy Robinette and her work, visit ChristyRobinette.com. Straight from the Author has been brought to you by MyWarn. To hear more podcasts like this, visit MyWarn.org. Again, that's MIWarn.org.